refugees who journey from desperation and vulnerability to eventual new life and security will never forget they will carry forever the imprint of their life experience. Chuang Nguyen is one of those refugees. In Vietnam in 1975, Chuang Nguyen's parents placed him and his siblings, ages between 6 to 21, in a boat. The boat had no captain. The boat had no crew. It had almost no food or water. Thousands of boat people died fleeing Vietnam in those days, as you might recall. Amazingly, a week later, with the help of the U.S. Navy, the overcrowded boat with Chuang Nguyen and his family made it to the Philippines. And eventually, Chuang Nguyen arrived into the United States where he grew up and he became a Catholic priest. Chuang Nguyen made the news recently because, because he wrote a letter to the president about the executive order banning entrance to the United States for people from some Muslim countries. He wrote, I am a refugee. Becoming a refugee is a choice one makes when there are no other choices. Nguyen has spent his life and his ministry working with Vietnamese youth in and running a Catholic center in the Los Angeles area. He considers his life and his story one of the many that has helped to make America great. In his letter to the president, and what is more amazing, when offered to relinquish his U.S. citizenship so that it might be offered to a Syrian refugee. He asked his Catholic superiors to relocate him to one of the predominantly Muslim countries named in the executive order. And he says in the letter, when you're a refugee, you're a nobody. America has allowed me to become a somebody. Chuang Nguyen wants somebody else to have a turn. Today, the word of the week is courage. Somewhere along the way, Maybe it was getting into the boat in 1975 and fleeing in fear and uncertainty that when ingested some courage. Maybe it was through the long week, the days and nights sloshing, sloshing on the ocean that he drank in enough courage to shape his faithful life. Maybe it was his training for ministry and his tough ministry with Vietnamese youth in L.A., Maybe it was a combination of all these things. But somehow courage seems to shape this particular man. He wants to give his life, like the anthem says, he wants to give his life in love and devotion that other refugees might have a chance. If you look up courage in Roger's thesaurus, you get words like boldness. Bravery, fearlessness. But courage is really much more than fearlessness. Courage often exists right alongside fear. In fact, it's like that old saying goes it isn't courage if you're not afraid. 
Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment and the action that something else is more important than fear. As you might guess, courage is an important aspect of faith and discipleship. Numerous times in Scripture, we are exhorted to be strong, to take on courage, to be courageous, to put on boldness and fortitude for the living of our days. And there are many biblical heroes that show us what courage looks like. Abraham and Sarah respond to God's call. Moses and Miriam trust God and they walk with God despite Pharaoh's threats and Pharaoh's power. David stands before Goliath. Numerous prophets speak God's word under great duress. Jesus faces Pilate. The apostles deal with persecution and threats of death. Courage is often called forth from God's people. Courage remains the central tenet of what we aspire to as God's people. Our first lesson, you've heard it in various ways today, from Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. It's an image of God's protection and care so that we can withstand the threats that come our way, threats from earthly powers and even threats, according to that passage, from cosmic powers. Stand there for boldness, fortitude, strength. It's a picture of courage. Our second lesson intends to be foundational to courage. I invite you to listen to Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for people trample on me. All day long foes oppress me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many fight against me. O Most High, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I am not afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they seek to injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they hope to have my life. So repay them for their crime. In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my fears in, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your record? And then my enemies will retreat in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I am not afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? My vows to you I must perform, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death and my feet from falling so that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. The setting of this psalm is all about fear. Fighters plot against the one who's there praying to God. Fighters are all around him. Threats lie in ambush to take his life. All of this generates fear. 
But the psalm is not about fear. It's about faith. Faith that looks like trusting in God and faith that looks like courage in the face of threats. When everything seems to indicate destruction and peril, when everything indicates danger and death, the psalmist affirms, you have kept count of my tossings. You have put my tears in your bottle. This I know, that God is for me. I love that passage. I love it. We speak often about God as creator. Mighty God over all, rules over the nations, is going to bring victory and hope, make sense of the mess of the world. This is what we wait for. This is what we pray for. The mighty God will prevail over the messed up world, bringing peace and justice. But verse 8 ought to be one of our favorites. God is not just mighty and over. God is also so nearby, caring enough to count our tossings, our restless nights, our fretting, our sleepless moments of turmoil. God puts our tears in His bottle. God cherishes us and our tears in his bottle. The psalmist says, this I know. God is for me. In God I trust. I am not afraid. This is not simply an independent act of will when we're trying to drum up some narrative that's different from the perils that are threatening us. This is the response of people who know something about God. If God is for us, who can be against us? God comes through. God makes a way when there is no way. God never leaves us. Never. God is the first and the last and the living one. God keeps count of our tossings. This I know. God is for me. In God I trust. I'm not afraid. What a beautiful litany. There's a wonderful line from Alice Walker. You know, Alice Walker is a writer and a poet and a human rights activist. And she has a line that relates to this psalm. Psalm 56. This is what Alice Walker says. This we know. We were not meant to suffer so much and to learn nothing. Once again, this we know. We were not meant to suffer so much and to learn nothing. In the tossings of the night, in the tears that are cried, in the losses that beat us down, in the failures that we carry around, in the wandering in the wilderness, in the long days of heartache or exile or however else we want, might want to describe it, in the fretting about our children, in the worrying about our parents, in the darkest moments of depression 
or whatever else is our biggest challenge, we're not meant to suffer so much and to learn nothing. God is with us. God keeps track of our tossings. God collects our tears and puts them in God's bottle. God never leaves us. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all of this, folks, all of this is intended to shape us and mold us as people of courage. Courage to trust God. Courage to serve God. Faith always wants to shape us in the ways of courage. And then when courage actually shapes us in the ways of trusting God, courage also compels us, empowers us, calls us to live a certain way with boldness and fortitude and bravery beyond ourselves. Courage always compels us to live beyond the present moments and all the issues that might threaten us. Courage knows that God keeps count of our tossings and places our tears in His bottle. But courage also intends to set the tone for our lives, how we live each day, the choices that we make, the love we share, the actions that might flow from us as God's people. The great writer C.S. Lewis wrote that courage is not simply one of the virtues that we should aspire to. It's the form of every virtue at its testing point. Which means at the point of highest reality. It takes courage to be engaged as God's people in the world. It takes courage to step forward and participate with the inbreaking of God's reign in our city, in our world, every day, wherever we find ourselves, we're called, we're expected to be courageous, to live with love, to spread hope, to serve God, courageous, with courage. This is how we're compelled to live, empowered to live. Courageous. One of the Acts of Faith Festival plays this season is a very fine play by David Robbins. It's called The End of War, and it's playing right now at the Virginia Rep on Broad Street in downtown. Ginger and I saw this play on Friday night. This is a complex story, The End of War. The setting is Berlin, Germany, 1945. 1945. Two of the characters in this play are Russian soldiers making the long march from Russia across Poland and into Berlin. So these two soldiers are, throughout the play, trying to find enough courage just to be human beings because their recent life has been surrounded with so much death and killing. In fact... Historians argue that the soldiers on that march from Russia through Poland and into Berlin may have seen more killing and death than any humans in all of history. So these two soldiers are just trying to find enough courage to feel like human beings, to maintain their humanity instead of the extensive death and killing 
that they've been living in. But the heart of the story actually involves a family in Berlin. Berlin is crumbling with the nightly bombings in May of 1945. And a mother, Freya, and her adult daughter, Lottie, are forced to move in together because Lottie, the daughter's apartment building, was bombed out. When Lottie moves in with her mother, Freya, the mother has to tell Lottie about, about Julius. Julius is the Jewish man that she's hiding in the basement. A Jewish man hiding in the basement in Berlin, 1945. What? Are you crazy, Lottie says? A Jew hiding in the basement? What are you thinking? We could be killed for this. Are you insane? He came to the door. He asked for some food. I gave him something to eat. And now he's living in the basement? This is insane. It felt like the right thing to do. We're not heroes, Lottie says. Yeah, but we're not monsters either, her mother says. And this Jew hiding in the basement becomes the context for everything else that happens. Life is full of fear. And life is often full of hatred. And life always brings choices. How do we survive in difficult times? Do we live selfishly? Being extra careful to protect what we have and get what we can get? Or do we allow grace to flow from us? Courage to form us and live selflessly? What might we have done in Berlin in 1945? You, me. Somebody comes to the door and asks for food. I really hope and pray that we never find ourselves in such life and death Dire straits. Life and death for us. Life and death for others. But here's the truth. The truth. We will indeed find ourselves in situations, both small and large, where fear and courage are going to be right next to each other. And we want to be preparing ourselves. Preparing ourselves always as God's people, faithful people, to do the right thing. These incidents are going to come, sometimes expected, sometimes unexpected, sometimes small, sometimes large. They're going to come. How do we live? How do we choose? How do we juggle the inherent fears and the natural cautions that may be part of us? How do we juggle that with the call to have courage, to be bold, to trust God, to live and serve as God's people? Hey, we don't have to be heroes here, Lottie says. Okay, but we're not monsters either. What do we do? And we most, are we mostly selfish or selfless? And it's often all about courage. Do we open ourselves to risk? Do we do for people we don't even know? 
What are we supposed to do? Do we have the courage for selfless serving? Do we put ourselves at risk? Do we ask like Chuang Win to let another refugee have our spot? Could we do that? God keeps count of our tossings. God puts our tears in God's bottle. And God does that, you know what, for every single person in the whole world. And God also keeps calling us as God's people. God keeps giving us opportunities as God's people. Be courageous. Gather up courage. Embody the gospel. Will it be courage? Will it be courage? There's another great quote from C.S. Lewis who says, There are moments in all of our lives when the angels of heaven are holding their breath to see which way we're going to go. Will we seek to become what God has made us to be? Loving and trusting and serving people? Will we keep striving with God's help to step forward with courage? These are interesting times, folks. God keeps calling us to trust God and serve God Where and how might you really embody courage? The love of Jesus this week, next week. When and how will it look? Let us pray. By your Spirit, O God, with every means of grace, O God, fortify us with courage to live and love as Christ's disciples. Amen.